0: Welcome to the Spiro Avenue Podcast. I am Justin Spiro. Happy to be with you here tonight. Let's get it rolling. Week two for Michigan, Michigan State. It is the second iteration of this rivalry in college basketball. It is a nerve-wracking time to be a fan of either program. And as a Michigan State fan, I am as nervous as ever, but I'm going to bring in this weekend uh, with an enthusiastic podcast breaking down Saturday, Michigan versus Michigan State. Winner gets the one seed in the Big Ten tournament and gets at least a share of the Big Ten championship. I absolutely despise Michigan, but I wanted to do a balanced show. <laughs> that is Jag, by the way. Welcome back, Jag the DJ, Jag in Detroit, Jag the producer of the Spiro Avenue podcast. How are you,
1: Jag? I- I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I'm a Syracuse grad, so I am. Uh, I lean Michigan, but I'm, my boys will be lucky to make the tournament. They're a bubble team once again, so we'll see what happens on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't want to relitigate the Syracuse thing again because like, I hate what your program did to Michigan State last year. I was so fond of the Michigan State God Squad. They had, like, a prayer group every week. I think twice a week they were doing Bible study. I mean, I'm not necessarily a Bible thumper myself, but it's, like, kind of hard to root for the team that's, like, reciting John 317. Like, yeah, in how hard to, to root
1: against them, you mean? Well, it's hard to root against them, yeah, right. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's hard to root against it. Like, how do you hate that team? It's kind of like even if you're not a dog person, like, you don't hate the guy that goes to the shelter and pets the, the stray animals. <laughs> like
1: that's the strangest analogy I've ever heard you make.
0: Thank you. I think. <laughs> I, the, the point, like, I, I love the Michigan State God Squad, uh, God Squad Spartans. They were one of my favorite teams in Michigan State history, and I really probably second only to the 2009 team that ran into the Carolina Juggernaut. And you blew up that whole dream uh, right in front of me in Detroit, so I don't really even want Syracuse to be mentioned again because I don't want to go running for the Razor I, Blades here.
1: Oh, I know. I had a uh, I had a former boss that was no longer my boss as of a month prior, and he was a state guy, so I just took sweet sweet revenge in that
0: game. Uh, I'm so. sure you did. You took sweet revenge into the Sweet 16 at my expense. <laughs> Although everyone was just waiting for the Duke buzzsaw anyway. But at least like I wouldn't have been there for that. But <laughs> it, anyway, th- this game Saturday, it, it's the highest stakes game in. President's Center history, I would argue. I know Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal made that argument uh, today in the newspaper that in the history of that stadium, which has seen a national championship team come through, has seen numerous Big Ten championships, has seen seven Final Four teams play there, this is the biggest game in that stadium's history, which is really saying something. I mean, this has been, uh, I would say, a top of the second-tier elite program. So, I mean, Michigan State is right below that kind of Duke-Kentucky level. You can't put them there, obviously, certainly not with one title since uh, I was born. But they're in that second tier. They've seen a lot of winning in that stadium. And this game on Saturday night, 8 o'clock, against their biggest rival, against their blood rival, with all the marbles on the line, it is the biggest game in the history of that stadium. So the stakes really couldn't be any higher. Uh, Michigan State... Obviously, lost twice in this game last year. They are slipping a little bit in football, to say the least. Michigan controlled that game pretty handily this year in the fall. This past year in the fall, so the stakes really are high for both teams. If you're Michigan, you're looking at: Do we lose this game twice in a row, twice in 11 days with Michigan State missing their second and third best players? That's a tough one to take. And if you're Michigan State, it's kind of like: If you split, eh? You split. It's your senior night, and you lost. I mean, really. This one is going to really, really hurt the loser of this game. I mean, it's one of those where the swing, the difference in how this season is viewed between winning and losing. This game always means a lot, but this is at such an elevated level. This will be devastating to the loser and quite uplifting to the winner, both in-state and for the national implications. Both teams theoretically in play for a one seed would have to win out, but certainly in play to lock in a two seed And this win. If you don't win this game, You can forget that, and now you're talking about a three-seed, and that goes for both of them. So stakes couldn't be any higher. I'm a Michigan State slappy. Most people know that. If you could look in my studio right now, it's covered in Michigan State stuff. I mean, I got a glossy helmet in one corner. I got Kalen Lucas staring at me, driving in the other. So this this is the Michigan State podcast typically, but we love bringing Michigan guys on, and we're going to do that. He is Chris Castellani. He has been on this show uh, in the past as the – raging tigers fan that he is but he is also a huge michigan homer one of the bigger michigan fans that i know chris castellani joining the spiro avenue podcast how are you chris i'm,
2: I'm doing well man uh, that was uh that was quite the intro it, yeah I, I wear many different hats but uh yeah it's uh it's getting to that point in march where it's uh it's nitty-gritty time for the basketball team so that's what i'm here to talk about today
0: well, I, I want to know how you're feeling going into this weekend. You know, I introd this show and this topic saying that I'm as nervous as I've been, I think, ever in the history of this rivalry. I think the stakes are so high. Like, where are you at? I mean, how are you feeling going in three days away?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I'm always nervous. Uh, it doesn't, it, it, and it's cliche to say, you know, the whole it does. You can throw away the records type of thing, but all. I'll always be nervous about this game with it, meaning as much as it does, uh, it adds obviously the extra level of intensity to it. it it's strange uh, because two weeks ago, uh, I, if you would have asked me, or, or a week and a half ago if you would have asked me what uh, my feelings were towards this game, I, I think I would have been a lot less confident than I currently am. Not to say that I'm uh, you know, through the roof believing Michigan's going to run away with this, but uh, you know, just over a week ago it seemed like uh, MSU was uh, peaking at the right time despite the injuries that were playing through it. Michigan was sputtering a little bit. but in the two games since uh, the, these two teams played each other at Chrysler, MSU is one and one, Michigan's two and0, oh, uh, you can kind of fit, throw out each of the Nebraska games almost because uh, that's a team and I, I, I tweeted this last week. I said uh, Nebraska just seems like a team that's quit. And yeah, uh, you know, but in the meantime, MSU lost a, a, a had another bad loss to Indiana, and Michigan went on the road and had a pretty impressive victory against um, against Maryland. So it's it's a weird spot. It's way different than I expected it to be even a week or so ago. But uh, it, it's yeah, I'm 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 not confident, but I, I'm more confident than I was even several days ago.
0: Well, I, I would think you would because Michigan State is still down two starters. I, I'm wondering, how many starters does Michigan State need to be missing for you to feel really, really good? Because obviously, two wasn't enough last time 11 days ago. Do you need like three or four guys out to, to feel really confident going in?
2: Uh, at the least, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, right. look, it, it's. Uh, I think as the last game in Chrysler. Uh, and, and Michigan State missing Langford and Ward, uh, especially Ward because Langford's been out for so long, uh, that it, it's almost uh, that they they seem almost more accustomed to playing without him at this point. I think uh what what MSU did and what the performance is put together, the game plan they had for that game was, you know, it still shows as much as, you know, maybe he's not uh He's not a Final Four every year type of coach like it seemed like he once was. It, Thomas is still a damn good basketball coach, and so a, he and he plays with the roster he's given. So it really, to me, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll always be nervous knowing uh, he's on the other end of the bench and he's going to come up with something. Um, but the, despite the fact that you know recent history has shown that Beeline's uh, you know a more than worthy adversary and has, as at, at several points, especially last season, outcoached him.
0: The thing that struck me so much about that first game in Ann Arbor was the complete non-existent production from both teams' benches. I mean, Michigan State had three bench points in that game. Three. Michigan only had six. So The two teams combined for nine bench points. I mean, do you have any idea? That's like unheard of. It for And the game was in the 70s. It wasn't like, like a old Wisconsin-Iowa throwback, like 42-40 to 40 game. For a game to be 77-70 and the teams to combine for nine bench points, both coaches really shorten their benches. I, it'll be interesting to follow that again. I mean, the question on Michigan State's end is, and we set the overrunner when I was at the last game, Like, is Foster Lawyer even going to play? He, he He played zero minutes in the first tilt. I mean, Cash has played 40 minutes in that game. I think I I don't have anything really to base this on, Chris. But I think if the bench isn't involved for Michigan State this time at all, if they get three points off the bench, they're not winning again. I, Michigan can play a lot better. I, I mean, what was Michigan's punch in that first game? That was probably their C plus game at best. I mean, that Michigan can do much better.
2: Well, I mean, off offensively, it was much lower than a C plus. I mean, that they they. they did everything they could against a guy like Winston, but uh, yeah, he was just incredible in that game as he's been throughout most of the season. I think what's strange with Michigan, the reason why I think there's a lot of people who are more confident uh, coming into this game is because all of a sudden over the last two weeks, it seems like out of nowhere Michigan's gotten some sort of depth uh, in the form of, of guys like Colin Castleton of all people um, e- even with the loss of, of Charles Matthews, you've had guys like David DeJulius, who still has a long way to go, but has still has still given them some some fairly effective minutes. Um, I think, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I as far as uh, Cassius is concerned, I know you've you've talked about that a lot, and understandably so, regarding uh, just how how Foster Lawyer just isn't there isn't there yet. And um, and I think really. It's the same way with Michigan. I don't think, uh, it's unless it's something happens like against Maryland where he gets into foul trouble, I don't see Xavier Simpson coming out of that game. And, and uh, uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to see somebody like Eli Brooks or somebody like David DeJulius, but Beeline's been spoken, outspoken about how he wants to give those guys minutes uh, as, as two guards and not at the point, which uh, just really makes me think there's nobody else he trusts to run the point. Uh, b- besides Simpson.
0: Simpson, I mean, you said the effort was far below C-plus offensively. I don't know if you're getting 19 points out of Simpson again. I mean, he was hitting some threes in that first half that I don't I don't think he typically has in his arsenal, and that kind of fell apart in the second half. But, I, I mean, I think that was a C-C-plus effort, but whatever. I mean, we, we can have different report cards. The bottom line is Michigan has a much better punch. And Michigan State, I, I, I would pick them to win this game probably, uh, especially if Kyle Lawrence can play and give them some semblance uh, of an effort off the bench. But I don't feel so good about it if they're going to have zero bench production again. And I'll tell you what, I, I think this game, and I want your take on this too, but I think this game, as high as the stakes are for both teams, I think it's actually higher for Michigan just in that they lost the first game. They already lost this game 2 weeks earlier with Michigan State down their second and third best players now they'd be looking at losing that game again in the same situation 2 weeks later I I mean it's obviously the stakes are high for both you're talking about a banner you're talking about seeding the one seed in the tournament the Big 10 tournament etc but couldn't I argue that if i had to put one above the other the stakes are even a little bit higher for Michigan
2: No i agree i i absolutely agree and i think uh, you know a big reason for that is because uh of what MSU was missing you know let's say they they go into that game and let's say they lose a close game at Breslin by you know somewhere between you know 2 and 10 points uh, and, you know, people will be talking about how, yeah, well, they, they gave, the effort was there. They're still missing two of their three best players. I think with, and it's, it's strange how expectations change throughout the season. MSU, I think, or at the beginning of the season, was the odds on favorite to win the Big Ten. But with the way Michigan started, reaching number two in the country, starting off 17-0, and uh, it, it would be a disappointment not to get at least a share of of a Big Ten championship, and I I, I, I do think there is a lot more pressure on Michigan, and I think that there was more pressure on Michigan in the first game, which I think hurt them. Not only was uh, Michigan all seemingly unanimously projected to win that game, which made sense considering uh, MSU was missing uh, t- two players, but you it, it was it was a it was a big stage. You had the, the whole throwback uniforms; they were honoring the '89 team, I, I, and I. I do I think that it made that big of a difference? No, but I think it might have had some impact. The pressure might have gotten to them a little bit, uh, especially in the second half where they just didn't seem like they were playing loose at all. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's there's more pressure on Michigan, which is a rare thing. I, I think Beeline's lines teams rarely have had a ton of pressure on them. I feel like they've succeeded when uh, pressure has has off, like last year, like 2013, when they kind of stumbled into that tournament. So it, this is kind of new territory for them. I,
0: You know, I, I got to say, I'm really tired of hearing your fan base, and we'll we'll see where you stand on this, Chris, but I'm tired of hearing your fan base argue that Michigan State is a, a secondary rival to, to the University of Michigan. I would argue, and I don't care what anybody says that went to the games with their grandpa in 1962. Mm-hmm. Michigan State is your number one rival right now, and I'll tell you why. I was at that Michigan-Michigan State game uh, 11 days ago or so. That was the loudest I have ever heard of college basketball arena, and that was, wow. that was your arena. I mean, it was thunderously loud. You watch the games, Michigan-Ohio State basketball, eh, not really. And I know that everyone talks about the football rivalry being really the crux of it, and I understand that was the original Intense rivalry had nothing to do with basketball, but I go to to work every day with uh, about a dozen diehard Michigan fans. They are much more engaged during Michigan State football week than Ohio State football week. I mean, it's like tenfold. I think Ohio State has pounded you guys uh, uh, into oblivion in football. But are you ready, as a Michigan fan, to be the first one in the history of your fan base to go on record as saying that you want this game more than you would want the Ohio State basketball game, and you want the Michigan State football game more than you want the Ohio State football game? Are you ready to be the first to be honest?
2: Yes and no, and I'll explain it to you. Oh, here it comes.
0: Okay.
3: Uh,
2: Yeah, here's my pivot here. Uh, Here's my very PC response. But no, in in all seriousness, personally... As a Michigan fan who grew up about ten minutes away from Michigan State's campus, who went to school with ninety percent of Michigan State people, to me, this is the game of the year every time. There is there is Michigan, There's the Michigan State game. There's everything else. Uh, now, I, for example, like this year in football, yeah, I wanted. I, I guess uh, you, the Michigan State game meant more uh, personally. But yeah, I would have wanted. Uh, but the Ohio State game still stung like hell uh, because it it meant more. Uh, that there were more there were more stakes in that game. Uh, so personally, to me, it is the biggest rivalry, and and uh, it, it it always will be. Um, I would say the the worst, uh, some of the best wins. Uh, my, my favorite teams have ever had. Have been against Michigan State, and some of the worst losses have have been against Michigan State as well. Um, the, the toughest loss I've ever had as a sports fan was uh, trouble at the snap, and uh, and I think in to me in basketball it's no contest. The, there, there's there's a Michigan Michigan State rivalry in basketball simply. Just it's simply carryover from the fact of these two teams hate each other in football. There's really no, like no nobody counts down the days to the Ohio State basketball game, uh, and, and so in basketball I think unquestionably MSU is Michigan's biggest rival. In football, I can't like I'm not going to get into an argument with somebody who says Ohio State is absolutely Michigan's biggest rival because there is so much history there. Uh, but the history I know is is just nothing but heartache and, and beat downs, and coming up a yard short or giving up 62 points. Uh, so I, I, it's, it's, it's a bit skewed from my, my perspective. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, yes, it always will be. It is the biggest rivalry that Michigan has.
0: Oh, right, well, I'm glad we got that on tape because you're the first one to admit it. And, look, I mean, no one's arguing the Ohio State football rivalry is, is the bigger, like, historical rival. I mean, that's, I think, self-evident. But where we stand right now in the past 10 years, your fan base cares way more about the Michigan State game, and they just can't admit it. But, you know, that's veering a little bit off course, but I wanted to frame the context of the importance of this game that as far as I'm concerned, these are two teams playing each other's biggest rival, and the stakes really couldn't be any higher for a regular season game. I mean, it's just it's incredible that Minnesota, of all teams, has led us to this pond, but uh, I'm excited to take it in as nervous as I am. I mean, I'll probably be three or four drinks deep on a Saturday night uh, to get ready for this. But uh, where are you watching the game, Chris? Are you going to be at a bar? I'm going to be working, dude. You're going to be working at 8 yeah. o'clock? Or are, are you like a, a bouncer at a, a, a you know, gentleman's club? What's going on at 8 o'clock on a Saturday <laughs> night?
2: Well, no, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a waiter, so I, I, I it should be near the end of my shift, and they have TVs there. But uh, I mean, I'll be able to watch a second half. But yeah, trust me, it's not—it's uh, not necessarily
0: something I'm looking forward to. I don't know. Um, you might be having like a tickle in your throat when you go in uh, Friday and say, "I don't know if I'll be in tomorrow," because I—I don't, <laughs> don't know how. You, this is a game that like you get fired for, as far as I'm concerned. But you know, yeah, I, I wish. I'll say, I'll say like with with Michigan it, from the other side. Like if I'm looking at Tom Izzo and I'm not a Michigan State homer. I can see why people hate him and why he's such an easy target. Like, he's five foot two and he just screams like a maniac. And he's like, he's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel to make fun of and hate Tom Izzo. But coming like state to Michigan side, John Beeline is like one of the most likable figures in all of sports like he he's the cleanest coach in college athletics arguably he's one of the best x's and o's guys so it's kind of interesting like michigan state provides this uh you know villain might be a little strong but certainly an easy target to hate and then michigan holds up this kind of like 68 year old gentleman and i don't know any michigan state fans that like hate that guy i mean and not one i mean it, it's its interesting how he's universally respected and i think that has uh really kind of changed the rivalry, too. I mean, as much as I hate to see Michigan succeed, you have to admit, I mean, you have over there in Ann Arbor one of the three or four best X's and O's coaches and one of the most likable figures in all sports, do you not?
2: Oh, they're, uh, I mean, they're they're incredibly lucky to have them. I mean, it, I'm, it's not that they stumbled upon them, but I think when they hired them, uh, it, it's not ex- they, they did not expect this. Um, and I think it's it's funny to me how in uh, you, know, you look at the football program and you have a guy in Jim Harbaugh that, uh, at least for the time being, uh, has yet to win a, a, a game that has really mattered, is incredibly polarizing, uh, hated amongst rival fans. And then you, you go on the other end of the spectrum of basketball and uh, it, Beeline seems to be doing the opposite and doing it uh, in a way where uh, it, even the hardest of hardcore Michigan State fans, uh, they might not like it, but they they at least uh, they at least respect them. And I remember I said that last year uh, when they were making their run to the Final Four, where I'm like, wow, it's nice to root for a Michigan team that the rest of the world doesn't completely hate. It was like the it was like the first time in a while where I was I, I just remember thinking like there's a large portion of the country doesn't want this team to fail, which which is which seemed kind of rare, and it was, it, was, it was a nice change. So, I mean, yeah, B-Line, be, uh, it's amazing what they've done. I, I don't know if there's a coach in the college basketball that's adapted as, as well and has changed uh, I, you know, on the fly as many times as he has the, the way he basically changed the offense uh, two, two or three years after he got there, uh, and then they went for a period where they were kind of a run-and-gun, uh, fast-break team, uh, shooting a lot of threes, and now after uh, you know, kind of a, a period of 2015-2016 where they were really struggling, uh, they changed things up and they became an elite defensive team. Uh, I think his ability to adapt is, is the reason why he continues to be considered one of the elite coaches in the country.
0: Well, I think you made a good point about everybody in the country, for the most part, rooting for Michigan last year in the tournament. I think that includes uh, every team that was decent that they could have played that laid down and died and allowed you guys <laughs> to play like Norfolk State and uh you know uh shit university uh AM because hey, that, man. that was the Thanks. weakest field in the history of the tournament and that's not me saying that that's actually like literally true based on the CDs. No, right.
2: and, and I'm and not I'm not gonna argue it. But never hey, apologize. Banners, banners Th- don't banners don't come with an asterisk. That's man. that's true. That's, uh,
0: I, you know, and, and by the way, this is pure sour grapes because my team lost to the uh, Jags' alma mater in the second game in Detroit, which was just embarrassing.
1: Hey, hey you brought it back up. I, you told me to leave it alone. I was going to leave it be, but you brought it back up.
0: It's a that was disgusting. What happened in Detroit? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. I was I telling
1: all my Syracuse friends what a great city Detroit is, and now they agree with me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed <laughs> yourself. I mean, the Michigan fans thought you guys were just the bee's knees that night for sure. So.
1: Anyway, bees, Chris, bees, what are you
0: ninety? I am actually ninety-five. Yeah, okay. yeah. I actually, I actually feel like I might age myself to ninety-five between now and Saturday at eight p.m. <laughs> like I, I was honestly having trouble sleeping last night. I was so amped up watching that Minnesota game, Chris. Like I, 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 you would have thought my team was playing for the national championship. I was the biggest Golden Gopher fan. I was, I was rowing the boat in my bedroom. <laughs> I, 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 I was doing cartwheels with Rick Pitino's son, his little rat face that he has. I, I, I could not have been happier. I was the biggest Minnesota fan last night, and then like five minutes after that game ends, it was just like uh, 40% of the way to a full-on pon- uh, panic attack, thinking of Saturday. Like, I- I'm irrational about this stuff. I, I don't know how you're going to be working through this. Like, I wouldn't be able to focus. So. yeah,
2: I mean I got all of the TV really close to my section so I'll be able to follow it but yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be fun. I mean, I've said this before. I, I I don't know if I've ever had fun watching a Michigan or Michigan State game. The aftermath can be fun, can be fun. Sometimes it's not, but it's uh during it, it's uh yeah, it's a it's a it's a grueling process for sure.
0: Well, I want you to promise that when the Brisdais guy uh, leaves that Michigan will be replacing him with another really ugly white guy from a different country, because like, I'm,
2: I'm sure they got somebody in the barrel already.
0: You, they have to, right? I haven't checked their recruiting pipeline, but like it's like Wagner's stupid face leaves. And then some other <laughs> stupid face replaces them. It just, it's just—it's like two of the ugliest guys. I mean, I, I like that you guys have like started going for the really goofy, like ugly white guy because we had Garrick Sherman like five or six yeah. years ago, who I think probably still holds that championship belt. So you guys are gonna have to go a little bit deeper into that barrel of like the really weird-looking white guys, but that are just like at least your guys were good. Sherman wasn't good until he went to Notre Dame, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So as long as you have one lined up, we're good. Chris, uh, I'm going to let you go, but before you go, give me a prediction. What's the number? Where does this game fall Saturday night?
2: Okay. Uh, man, this is tough. I'm going to go 71-66 Michigan State. Uh, I think it's going to be close all the way through. Uh, I, I, I think – it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan took the lead into halftime, uh, but I think with it being Senior Day, uh, and even though this guy's not a senior, I uh, I just I, I just think Cassius Winston is gonna is gonna find a way to take over that game like he did last time, um, and, and I think I think MSU wins a really really close game.
0: Well, I appreciate it I will say I think Michigan it's a coin flip to me I mean if Michigan yeah. State had all hands on deck if at least Ward was playing I would give them you know a clear but a tight edge but a clear edge uh it's a coin flip I I think we could see a last possession type game I mean we're there's 15 seconds left and we have no idea who's going to win so i think uh oh boy that might be terrible for both fan bases and their blood pressure but i'm sure espn and their producers are hoping for that given that it's on their network saturday night but uh chris appreciate you joining us uh, giving your perspective from the the michigan side uh good luck to your boys saturday night i hope their their bus arrives safely but uh <laughs> they trip all over themselves once they're on the floor how about that,
2: that that's that's about the nicest I'd expect you to be, so I'm I trying. appreciate
0: it. I'll be nice to you Sunday morning, especially if we win, right? It's like Donald Trump, I'll accept the results of the game if we win. So
1: We'll wait and see. And yeah. I'll exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Michigan and Michigan State, Find people on both sides. You
0: know, Chris loves Donald Trump, Jag. Oh, my God, we could talk about that for <laughs> a half an hour. He's a huge MAGA guy. Huge, huge.
1: Oh, would you look at the time?
0: Oh, would you look at the time? Exactly, but. yeah all right all right so uh lock her up chris uh good talking to you good catch it up uh keep that blood pressure down take whatever statins you need to do to get through tigers baseball season because they're not going to be uplifting you at all that's for sure
2: no that's expected but uh, i appreciate it buddy and it was nice hearing from you too man thanks for having me out uh, uh
0: anytime my pleasure chris castellani one of my favorite follows on twitter uh, you can follow him at chris castellani uh just Great guy and really known more for his Tigers. Uh, he's gone viral. I mean, he's been on Barstool Sports I think a couple times now for his crazy Tigers rant. So if you're a Detroit Tigers fan, it's like probably the number one guy you have to follow. Uh, he's just hilarious. He somehow made me give a shit about the Tigers last year. Like, just I would look forward to him being a, a maniac after these games.
1: Hey, whatever it takes.
0: I mean, I, I don't know. Like, there, he's a love, he's a love-hate guy. Like, for a lot of people, like I have friends that just – find him exhausting, but I think he's great. So that was Chris Castellani joining us, the Michigan-Michigan State uh, podcast take from him.
2: This is the Spiro Avenue Podcast.
0: We have my good friend Anthony Wright, frequent uh, guest on our program here, former Michigan basketball player on Twitter at It's Ant Wright. Probably our most popular guest I think we've ever had here. I think it's tied between you and John Wharton, uh, former Red Wings trainer, and uh, happy to have you. Always get good feedback, especially this week. I thought it was appropriate. Michigan, Michigan State, round two. How are you feeling?
3: Uh, You know, I'm feeling fine. I hope Ward is playing. I really hope he plays so they can go back to being stiffs on defense. <laughs> <laughs> you want Nick Ward back. Yes, I want Nick Ward back. I want him to play because without Ward, you actually had to have Izzo play with a modern lineup, and that sucks.
0: <laughs> that sucks. So you think I, I? I don't know if you're just being a being an asshole. I got to get this out of you. Do you really think Michigan's chances are better if Nick Ward plays? One thousand percent. That's unbelievable.
3: One thousand. Are you just I basing
0: think... this on last year? Totally different team, man. Totally different. team. No no
3: no, 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 no. So it's well, it is well noted that I've said that this year's Michigan State team is a better team. They're not as talented, but everyone understands their role, and it's really, really good for them. And they've been playing very, 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 very well. Um, Nick Ward with them, they are a very good team, but. The way that Michigan plays, that is a trash matchup with Ward in the lineup, and then Tillman will come in, and then Izzo will get mad about something and take him out, and then put Ward back back in to be a to be a stiff, <laughs> to be a stiff.
0: He's much improved. I, I like Nick Ward. I think he's insane for thinking he's going to go to the NBA after this season, but uh, I guess that's a discussion for a different day. So, right. you know, let's assume Nick Ward is out because, yeah, I think it would be a long shot from the comeback. He has an injury and had a surgery where typically the low, low end of a recovery time, if you're very you know quick to recover, is about four weeks you know, come Saturday it'll be just under three. It would be right. uh, a, a short miracle, I would say, for him to come back. I mean, a minor miracle at the very least. So let's assume he is out. Let's just take him off the board. I talked a little bit with Chris about this earlier. Michigan State had in the first game uh, in this rivalry about a week and a half ago. Michigan State had three points off the bench. Three. I mean, the bench sure. was the bench was a non-factor entirely. And Michigan, on the other side, only had six bench points. So the two teams combined, I went to Michigan State so I can do the math here, for nine bench points.
3: Let's get it, let's get it straight, okay? Michigan doesn't have a bench outside of outside of livers. Neither team does. Yeah. I mean, so. Mi-
0: Michigan State, I bet at least Michigan State will like, usually play guys. They just don't really do anything. But it's like Izzo in the Michigan game a week and a half ago was like, look, I'm just going to play six guys and – that's it. <laughs> All right, yeah, uh, he just clearly does not trust his bench, and I don't blame him. I was like, put in Foster Lawyer. I think the entire country, anyone who plays like Michigan State, is dying to see Foster Lawyer strap on the uh, dude. The
3: you didn't hear this from me. You didn't hear this from me. Well, you well you did. Well, because we're on a podcast. But <laughs> word on the street is, let me read this. Let me read this off. So I got this. I got this DM the other day. Why do you not? Some kid was on a visit. I'm, go- I'm just going to say in the last three weeks so you can't pinpoint anybody. A kid was on an unofficial visit um, hosting um, hosting a Michigan State, State, State game. Verbatim, scouting report on lawyers said he's going to be in for 30 seconds. Pressure the shit out of him.
0: I oh, hope that sounds about right. A guy can't play. He he is so panicked when he crosses center court with the ball. Everything's either like a turnover or an almost turnover. Like you just never feel comfortable.
3: Okay. A, Rocky you know, Watts can play right now for them.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a guy that if he was on this team, even right now, let alone in a year, it totally changes the team. Because I've been harping on this nonstop. The one thing that this Michigan State team is really missing is is a backup point guard. And yeah. I don't know how a team I you know, you don't like Michigan State, you hate Thomas, that's fine. But you you admit that they're a top ten to fifteen program in the country. I mean just Oh
3: for sure. Yeah I mean you're in the Euro.
0: Right. Yeah. That's being like harsh to even put them, you know, in the fifteens. They're probably a top eight to ten program. How does a program of that esteem have no backup point guard. I'm not talking about a good one. I'm talking about a guy that can play for six minutes, not get blown by on defense, and like maybe make a basket or two. I'm not talking about good. I just mean like not totally embarrassing. How does that
3: happen? Right. I have no clue, but they did they they dropped the ball with um DeJulius and they dropped the ball with Brandon Wade. And both of them gave the absolute work. lawyer in front of Michigan State coaches like they have no excuse for that um I'm I'm sure politics comes into play and you know people are like well he did so well in Clarkson like yeah he's playing with two or three other high division one players versus Michigan public school talent that doesn't that plays 20 games a year and all the best kids they leave the state so who are you playing against
0: Oh well, yeah, if you, you know can I mean? dominate Lutheran North, it's like good I mean, good for you, I guess. Yeah,
3: congratulations. I what don't know. Ottawa beat him by fifty in the state championship. What a joke!
0: I don't know, like if it was a you know he's a coach's son, John Lawyer thing, and like he's a good local kid. I don't know how you can watch this guy. I, sure, he dominated, but it's like you can look at him for five minutes and realize he's not an athlete on this level. Like he's just not going to be able to sustain. Should
3: he should be in the zone. He should be in the. He should be zone.
0: Yeah, well, I, I would say you know he'd be fine mopping the floor too. Um, it, <laughs> d, as long as he's not like you know dribbling the basketball, like that's, uh, that's he's he's unusable. You can't use him. And I, yeah. I, I, I I've said if he becomes a competent backup, I'm I've totally written him off as being like a good good player. But if he becomes right. a usable backup, at any point in his career where he's playing eight ten minutes and he's helping the team win, I would be shocked. I mean, it would be the most dramatic turnaround I can remember.
3: If Jalen Terry ends up going there from Beecher, Lawyer will never see the floor. With Watt and Terry,
0: I hope who he doesn't even alive. Go transfer. Go go to Montana State where you can put up, you know, thirty playing uh Joe Shit the Ragman. I, I mean I, I don't want to see him play. <laughs> While we're talking about Lawyer, I had a bet with uh, my good friend Scott at the last game. We had over under foster lawyer minutes before tip off and we set it at two and a half. Uh, we both went under, so we both won in our imaginary bet. If I set the over/under for Saturday night at half a minute, meaning he plays anything more than sixty seconds, you know, not twenty seconds at the end of a blowout, which I don't think will happen. But do you think Foster Lawyer will play more than one minute in the game Saturday night? Do we even see him? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I think so. I, that's a bad, that's a bad sign for Michigan State unless they're up by thirty, man. Because I, I think <laughs>
3: they're gonna play him because Cassius can get worn like he like he's starting to get worn down, man. Um, you know, you you know that is that dude is gonna have to play 39, 40 minutes, like from here on out for Michigan State to be in the to to be in the game, um. And I just, I just think that you know, Izzo knows he has to he has to relieve Cassius a little bit, even if it's for just one minute per half. So I think that's why we're going to see Lawyer maybe when Simpson comes out, he'll sneak him in there for a little bit if, Sim- if Simpson comes out. Um, but yes, I think I think they're going to find. A minute for him
0: You saw in that first game what, what Winston and, and Izzo did. I, I thought it was brilliant. They, they ran a ball screen attack that we haven't seen from Michigan State all year. I don't think Michigan was ready for that. I think that really hurt them. I do Well, think, they
3: had to.
0: Well, line yeah, so will don't. not be tricked by that again, right? I mean, that's not that same.
3: It wasn't so much of being tricked. It was just that, like, Michigan State can't run anything – if they're not screening and re-screening and re-screening just to get Cassius three feet of space. Because Simpson was all over him. All over him. And the screen and the re-screen really opened up a lot of things for him. Opened up a lot of things. I think they're going to change the way that they hedge, and they're going to change the way how Simpson recovers, and they're going to change what the weak side does as well, too.
0: You've played in—I mean, you've played in this game and uh, Michigan basketball player. You've—you've you've been in this rivalry before as a player. You've sat in a John Beilein locker room, what is he telling his guys this week?
3: Um, what's today? What's Wednesday? So they played on—they played on Sunday, right? Yes. So they played on Sunday. They probably had Monday off. Um, they probably had a Michigan day on Tuesday. Um and on Wednesday they pro into today they probably had a get better day slash adjustments and then tomorrow and Friday no and then tomorrow and Friday is going to be heavy scout stuff um so they haven't really even gotten into it yet you know B-Line is so big on you know you. You know, you have to stay refined. You have to be able to shoot the ball. You have to be able to pass the ball, not only pass it accurately, but on time. Um, so they worked on Michigan probably 100% yesterday. They worked on Michigan probably 75, 70% today, then may have worked on concepts for about 25, 30% on how they're going to guard tomorrow and uh, Friday against the uh, the uh, the uh, scout team.
0: Do you think Kenny Goins is on the scouting report at this point? I mean, he's not flying under the radar anymore, right?
3: Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, you know that that dude has been playing out of his mind. Uh, he's been playing very, very well, um, very efficient too. You know, he doesn't take bad shots. He doesn't make stupid plays. Um, he's been shooting well. He can also rebound, and he's. And he will hit you from the mid range. Um, I'm interested to see that matchup. I'm interested to see if Matthews doesn't play. I'm interested to see um, livers on him, Uh, Teske on Tillman. Um, That's going to be very interesting, man.
0: If you pay Uh, him any mind, sorry to cut you off, I was going to say if you pay him any mind, you can shut him down. Like that, when he pops off, it's like he's wide open. Anytime a team makes an adjustment, it happened in the first Michigan game. He explodes in the first half, does nothing the second. It happened in the Nebraska game this week. Goes off for twenty-one points in the first half, ends up with twenty-four. Like if you get anybody on him, he really is not good at creating his own shot. Very minimal post game, but if you leave him, he'll kill you. I, I just don't see him popping off again.
3: My thing with him is that you know he. He can affect the game in so many ways. You know, not everything is pretty. Like you know, Catches everything is pretty. Uh, Simpson, nothing's really pretty about him, but he does so many things. With Goins, he doesn't have to score to impact the uh, game. You know what I mean? He'll pop off for you know ten, eleven rebounds. He'll pop off for you know a few blocks. He'll pop off for a couple assists steals you know he he does so many things shutting him down in quotes doesn't really shut him down because he does so many things um he's like he's like a draymond he's like a simpson where nothing is really pretty when it goes in it looks nice but their overall game isn't to score their game their overall goal is to just be a basketball player and do their job and he does his job very very well
0: you gave me a little insight into the itinerary for Michigan, what it's like leading up to this week. In terms of the emotion, does John Beeline talk about it? That the importance of this game is it self evident. How much is that emphasized just from Beeline's end?
3: No, I think it's it's more emphasized from a player stand standpoint, and in, in terms how how you know guys are either approaching film, how they're approaching practice, how they're approaching the weight room. Um, with Beeline, he never wavers. You know, he's 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 going to act the same way versus uh, versus Valparaiso or or you know, Wright State as he's going to approach the Ohio State State game. But the the players themselves know the magnitude. They know it's online. They they know what that's what's at stake. Um, Beeline tries really hard to stay away from the highs and the lows. If He's as even killed as possible. You know, the guys are gonna be pretty similar so they so they don't get too hyped up and out of control and <laughs> you don't wanna get caught up too much in it. You know what I mean? That's for the fans, that's for the crowd, that's for the band, that's for the media. They do their, you know, thing. You just need to make sure that you're doing your job. So knowing what's at stake, but you do your job.
0: How, so you feel pretty good of uh, about Michigan's chances going into Saturday. Do you feel confident as a Michigan fan?
3: Do I feel confident? Uh depends on who shows. You know, they've been so um, inconsistent on who's showing. I mean, oh, you can say he, that.
0: Anyone can say that, though. Everyone right. has that caveat.
3: Right, right. But, I mean. Who's going to you know, show? That's have, what I'm asking I'm, you. That's this is why well, I bring on the expert. Pros, we have pros who have been inconsistent. You know, Jordan Poole has been inconsistent. Um, he has been inconsistent those two guys are going to be pros Um, you know Charles Matthews the glue of the the glue of the team I think he brings it um, he brings it with his toughness he brings it with his defense but the ball sticks with him Um, Teske and Simpson their pick and roll if their pick and roll is on Michigan's going to win the game if their pick and roll and pick and pop is on they're going to win the game.
0: So you're it's picking simple. Michigan. That's fine. Uh, this, that's fine. <coughs> just say that you're picking Michigan, Ant. It's it's fine. <coughs> no, you're straddling you know a lot. I mean? You're, like, stony. Like, you're just – No, no,
3: no. It's, it's not like um, – but, like, the, the question was, how do I feel? I mean – Okay, what's going to happen? I already,
0: I'll rephrase. I, I'll do the, the, what's gonna the, the attorney well, thing.
3: Well, I told – well, I, you know, put my life on the line. I already told Twitter that, you know, I see Michigan winning this this uh, game because Michigan State came with something that they never ever do and Tom Izzo is not that inventive he's not very what's the word he's not very uh, he's not very creative he's not gonna he's either gonna go back to the way that he was playing or he's gonna say okay this worked last, last time so we're gonna do, do the same thing except work harder so they can't counter it um so, I think that uh, Beeline is going to be more prepared. That's the biggest thing.
0: I think Izzo is more of a, a general, and Beeline is more of a chess player. I think Izzo is going to stick to what his program's principles are, for better or for worse. It's not to sell him completely short as an X's and O's guy. I don't think he's a, a boob in that regard. But right. I don't think he's at Beeline's level from a tactical perspective. There's pros and cons to both, to the whole we're going to play how we play, and Michigan State basketball, our brand, yada, yada. I, I do think. B-Line is uniquely positioned with the IQ that he has. He's the best tactical mind in the game, arguably, to, a, to make the necessary adjustments. Michigan State, I'm not going to make pre-excuses, but it's just a fact. They are down two of their three best players. Winston's banged up. The team is has myriad flaws. So, you know, I, I'm kind of back and forth. I think it's a coin flip, but I, I did give a slight edge to Michigan State just because it's at home. If this game were being replayed again at Chrysler, I'd pick Michigan in a heartbeat. So I think it'll be be close. Uh, You know, and I'll wrap with this. I did say I I think that this is the highest stakes that we've ever seen in this rivalry, and I'll say that I think Michigan State has a a chance to cement Izzo's best-ever season. Where do you see this Michigan team going long-term, win or lose Saturday? What's the ceiling for this Michigan team? We'll wrap there.
3: Uh, I can't tell you until I see the bracket. <laughs> oh, you know this this guy puts no. more
0: uh, qualifiers on his guy. You you came in strong the last time when you were in studio. It's something about the phone. I like what's going on with you. What yeah. what what do you want to see from this team? Can this team win a national title? Let's let's start from. Can there, they win a
3: national points. title? There are only about I I would say like eight teams who can win a national title. Like there's a there's like a top tier. There's a bunch of good teams. That's it. I I think only yeah. I think about eight teams can win the title. Are, are
0: two of them playing Saturday night?
3: Yeah. Okay, think, that, works. Um, that works. No, actually, no, no. I don't think Michigan State can.
0: Well, I can't argue that. I don't think they have the guns, but you know, we'll see. I
3: don't think they can. Um, I think uh, I think top to bottom, Nevada has a chance. No. Um, n- they've got. Um, I'm telling you, they are all seniors. They've got two or three pros. Um, they didn't test themselves in the non-conference, which may hurt them. But talent, they do not hurt for talent. Um, and they're old, and they want to win. Um, but from like just from that standpoint, Nevada, uh, Houston, um, Texas Tech can really, really play. Uh, Michigan, Kentucky, uh, Carolina, and Gonzaga. Virginia is my favorite, honestly.
0: I'm picking Murray State because I like their point guard.
3: John <laughs> so, Morant's so good, man. He's the,
0: but there's Michigan State fans that think Winston's better. It's like, oh, okay, I mean, not I love Winston, chance. but come on, man, come on. Hey, not a, not so. a,
3: not a chance. I, you know, on on record, you know, a lot of Michigan State fans are like, yeah, he's not. Yeah, you keep bashing Winston. I'm like, look. Stop reading my tweets that are destroying him. Like how? How about the tweets where I'm praising him? How about those? You know, if you're the um, third
0: best point guard in the country, you're fine. Um, that you know. I think
3: he's second. I well, think he's
0: whatever second it is. That. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. I think he's second. If if you put anybody above their hero, it's like you're you're the villain. So, right. Exactly. Anyway, uh, Ant, it's been a pleasure. I'd like to have you back. Maybe next week we can uh, go preview the Big Ten tournament and maybe do a little. Uh, uh, re- recap on what happened Saturday night, hopefully a Michigan State win. Uh, maybe I'll I'll send you a message about doing a little lunch bet for Saturday night. We can have some fun with us. I know you're a, a game one man on Twitter with your little pools and whatnot. So.
3: Man, I don't win any bets, bro. Like, I haven't won an avi bet. I haven't won a dinner bet for any game. So In that case, we should you definitely wanna, bet.
0: Yeah, why don't you, you take Michigan bet, State? I'll take Michigan.
3: No, 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 no. I'll take Michigan. You take Michigan State. All right, great. And we're just gonna just you know just ruin everyone's day knowing that Michigan's about to lose because I made a bet.
0: That's fine. I know you're you're very superstitious, and your your little Twitter (laughs) avatar bit is great. So uh, (laughs) I gotta tell you, man, you're, you're. one of my favorite guests that we have on here. You're just you're awesome. I really look forward to talking to you again. Hopefully, again next week or, or sometime before the NCAA's. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, and thanks so much for joining us.
3: Hey, not a problem, man. Talk to
0: you. I uh, talked to you. That was Anthony Wright. It's at it's Aunt on Twitter. Uh, definitely one of our our best guests and really a really knowledgeable guy. A good friend of Kevin Durant growing up. That was a great story he shared last time. So. A uh, real pleasure having Ant Wright on the program. Uh, that's the Michigan take. We heard it from two sides there. You heard my Michigan State take, and uh, that's where we sit. So it all comes down to Saturday. I think if this Michigan State team can hang a banner and win a conference, with all that's happened, they lost two lottery picks. Their second and third best players have been out for large chunks of the year. Kyle Arnes is probably like their fifth or sixth best player. The guy's got the back of an 87-year-old. I mean, it's, I've never <laughs> seen anything. Oh, my, who has a, a chronic back injury when they're 20? I mean, it's just its unbelievable. If Izzo can carry this team to a banner, I think it is in the discussion for his best coaching job ever. And really, I mean, obviously it's a guy that's won a national title, but that team is loaded. And that's to his credit, too. He recruited those guys, and it was a great team. And they they ran through the tournament, beat everyone by double digits. But...
1: Including Syracuse that year.
0: Including Syracuse that year. Although one or two of those games were actually pretty close, especially the one at the Palace where uh, Mateen Cleese had a choking incident with Mo Peep. But I, I think the, the comparable would be 2015, the Final Four team that like had no business in the Final Four at all. I actually was at your campus, uh, Syracuse, to see the Elite Eight game against uh, Louisville which is a very rewarding win because I think they have the worst fan base in all of the country. I mean, the Louisville fans were, are like a special breed of awful. I've, been, uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing us beat them twice in the Elite Eight, so uh, their fans are terrible. But anyway, I, I think you're looking at that type of a season for Tom Izzo, and that's partly, too, what's at stake Saturday night where you could see Tom Izzo cementing arguably his best coaching effort ever. And the script will not be done on this team. I think if they go out and lose again in the first round of the NCAAs, they'll be remembered quite differently. I mean, last year's God Squad went, like, what, 31-5, and won the conference, but got bounced in the second game, and it's like they're kind of remembered as a dud failure. And that was a good season. But this team is judged by what happens in the NCAA. So I I know it's not all there on Saturday, but I will say that this is a chance for Izzo to cement one of his best coaching jobs ever because this team – They run about six deep, and uh, one of the guys is a former walk-on. One of those six, uh, like I said, is the back of an 87-year-old, and it's like, doing calisthenics and like yoga lattes in the hallway to try to stay loose during games yoga
1: lattes is that the combination combination of the two
0: yeah yeah you're not from bloomfield and birmingham i know a lot of like moms that do yoga lattes. they have
1: like the trainer come to their house
0: yeah oh yeah Yeah. of course it's all one-on-one like they go to the gym are you kidding me you insane
1: sweat in front of other people yeah this
0: isn't ham i mean come on like (laughs) do do you know like the snobby people i grew up with I, i oh my god you don't even know. You know I could tell you stories, man. I mean, going to school in a private school like I did. Whoo. So anyway, I, you know, it was a good discussion with Chris. I, I, as I said, I'm as nervous as I've ever been for this game. I do think Michigan State probably wins, but I'm not coming in with any real confidence. I mean, they're down their second and third best players, and even if they weren't, John line has won this game multiple times with uh, a talent discrepancy uh, worse than this. I mean, Michigan, you could argue, is a better team. I think they're about even. So I think it's a coin flip game. I don't think either team is going to go in there and and just dominate. I think Michigan State dominated the second half in the first game. I don't think you're going to see a repeat of that. There are things that Michigan was not expecting with the way Michigan State ran their offense with Cassius, running off ball screens for 40 straight minutes, literally they're not going to be tricked by that again. I mean, Michigan State has to find a different way to skin this cat. So, I mean, gun to my head, give me Michigan State 72, Michigan 70, but I think it's very close. I'm very nervous for this game. The stakes have never been higher. I'm really excited for it. I think it'll be a great game. I'm uh, lucky enough to be going uh, 8 o'clock Saturday night to my alma mater to see this thing go down, and uh, it should be a good one. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, to Chris Castellani, for joining us, giving us the Michigan perspective. It's going to be a big game. Hopefully, you can watch it. Unlike Chris, who will be—I uh, don't know—busting tables or something at that. Waiting hour, tables is, give him a little. Is bit. Is he, waiting, he tables? waiting tables? Yeah. It, they're both appalling. I mean, it's uh, it just now who's
1: yeah. the snob?
0: Call, it's not a no, 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 no not the job. <laughs> I don't care what <laughs> the fact that he's missing the game. I'm not seeing the waiting tables part as appalling. He could be uh, trading stocks on Wall Street and be a billionaire. It's like, can you take a night off? It's nothing to do with the job itself. It's like that. I'm
1: it, glad we cleared that up. You know, it gets
0: good. People are going to hate me more than they already do. I'm talking about the fact that the guy's like the biggest Michigan fan I know, and it's like Colin's sick, man. Like, come on. There's all sorts of crap going on. Like, you, you know, you handle food and stuff. You don't want to be like, bringing that SARS around.
1: I'll just be happy if uh, I'll, I'll be happy if Syracuse makes the tournament, and my, but given my my hopeful for how far they make it this year we'll put it this way my wife said she wanted to go away for the weekend the first weekend of the tournament and I was cool with it that's where my expectations are
0: well you know I gotta tell you like being a Boston fan like you are I really hope Syracuse does well because it's got to be hard like not winning a title and something every three months like it, it
1: really is yeah you know? how long has it
0: been since your last title uh five weeks
1: I mean yeah about a, yeah about a month
0: you Boston fans and it's like all you do is bitch too it just drives me nuts. Like he, Bill Simmons, who I actually like, but Bill Simmons is like the tortured Celtics fan. He's done three podcasts this month about the disarray in Boston and Kyrie Irving is sabotaging. The hey, the guy is the guy's just he, he's epiplectic about the state of the Boston Celtics and how disappointed they are. And it's like, dude, just go pop in one of those eighteen championship DVDs from the last two decades. I mean, it's like just.
1: The Patriots one isn't done yet. It'll be it'll come to me online. Oh,
0: they, okay. they on haven't, like they haven't produced yet. that yet. Okay, it's, it's
1: still in production.
0: Well, that, that's good to know. I, you know, it's like, could you imagine if they made an anthology, like a one DVD gift set of like. That entire twenty-year run. I mean, it would be like seventeen CDs long, right? I, it's the Patriots. It'd be like Ken
1: Burns' baseball documentary, <laughs> right?
0: Right. <laughs> it's they would have to like, it'd be a Netflix series. It would just never end. It'd be a like Game of Thrones. There'd be eight seasons of it. I just, uh, you know, Boston's probably my other than San Diego, my favorite city in in the Union to visit. I mean, it's just awesome. But that fan base, it's like it's never enough. And as a fan of the Lions, it's it's depressing uh, every day. <laughs> to be a fan of the NFL and to hear you Patriots fans mad like
1: I, I used to get very defensive when you would say things like this, and to the point now where I just embrace the hate because you know what? Oh, you got to! I've got you know four World Series and six Super Bowls and a NBA and NHL title all in the last twenty oh. years. I'm, I consider. It, this is after winning nothing the first twenty years of my life. I'm just soaking it in for all it's worth.
0: I think you have to embrace it. I think that's the play, really. Yeah. Like Just any. I would just like pull up the Imperial March theme song, <laughs> the Darth Vader, <laughs> like on my phone whenever someone started talking shit about it. I just I'd start playing the Darth Vader. You Imperial can play it for
1: me when I enter the room, like hail to the chief, something You're like right,
0: that. Yeah, that's what they. Every Patriots fan, should just walk in holding that like a boombox above their head, like they're John Cusack and <laughs> say anything. So we felt like we had to get something up. I was told by my. brother. Sean, that if I didn't do a podcast he would be disowning me. Uh as awesome. his brother, it, so. Michigan
1: Michigan State biggest game of the year. You texted me this afternoon and said, "Can you are you free any nights this week?" And I said, "Only tonight." And you said, "Let's do it."
0: I said, "Let's roll." I'll tell you what, quick story about my brother. He's the only guy that has more Michigan State shit on the wall than I do. Didn't think it was he was on there's this show called uh, Big 10 Treasure Hunters where they just go to different people's house that are like nerds like my brother and I that, and they're they try to like negotiate for pieces of memorabilia, it's kind of cool. I so. swear, if
1: you give my wife one more thing to watch on HGTV.
0: I, I will not. Okay. I don't. I, if your wife is listening to my podcast, I'd be stunned. Um, that makes so, two of us. Yeah, right, right. But so I, I uh, got when Denzel Valentine graduated, I actually had his number because he bought my iPhone like three, like his sophomore year. He put the thing out on Twitter like, Hey, is anyone selling an old iPhone? And I actually was. So he bought my iPhone like, I don't know, 2013 or something. So, but I still had his number. So when he graduated, I sent him a text saying like, hey, you know, you probably don't remember me. I, I might be texting my own old phone right now. But uh, like, you know, if you have any Michigan State swag or whatever you want to sell, like I'm a collector, I'd love to buy something from you and go green or whatever. And he met me in the Somerset parking lot in Troy. <laughs> and uh, I asked for an itemized list of what he had so I could make him an offer. And before I met him, he sent me a picture of a pile of, like, dirty laundry and said, here's all I got. And I was like, what? dude, I, it was like a pile. I still have the pictures. It was a pile of shit. And it's like you, could bear, you can't – I can't tell if there's five shirts or 15. I can't tell what, what's even in there. So I asked him, I said, can you, like, spread it all out and take, like, a better picture so I can see, you know, kind of what I'm getting here so I can make you a fair offer, right? So he goes, sure, sure, hold up, two minutes, I'll run back upstairs. So I'm waiting. Two minutes later, Tex comes in. He basically just, like, moved the pile around. So he just, like, kicked the pile across the room and then took another picture. It was another pile just in a different position of the same shit. So I said, you know what, forget it. I'll meet you in the Somerset parking lot. Like, show me what you got, and, you know, we'll go from there. So he shows up. You met
1: somebody in a mall parking lot to buy some green.
0: Denzel Valentine.
1: Uh, you, are you picking up and I'm putting down here?
0: Can I use- no, I got it, but it was very legal green. Okay, green and white. So uh, anyway, don't get me off track. Okay, I'm, I'm very throwing si- your
1: curveballs. I'm trying to up your game. I'm a little very
0: simple minded individual, Jack. <laughs> so he he walks up. I texted him like, Hey, yo, yo, you here? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. He walks up and he's got a garbage bag. <laughs> I, I like, a <laughs> literal, like a literal garbage bag. And he just, like, plops it on my trunk and is just like, yo, let's let's flip through. Let's flip through. I'm like, okay, okay. And he didn't wash any of this shit.
1: I was just going to ask you that. It's, like, all sweaty it, from it Game of smelled.
0: War. It smelled like the backseat of a car that someone died in. Oh, it, it was, like, it was... Body odor that was like three months old, like so, and it's,
1: and, and and a lot of sweat for the physical yeah. exertion they go through playing basketball.
0: It's bad at that level. Oh, it's just like they get not wash any of this stuff. So it's a, he brings a literal garbage bag of just this balled up, like disgusting stuff. So I'm trying not to like faint while I'm <laughs> while I'm while I'm like assessing the value, or trying to appraise the value of these items in my head. So I make him an offer and. Uh, and I bought all his stuff. So, I mean, it, it, it was a pretty good deal, I thought. So I have, like, his Final Four track suit from 2015, and I have all this, like his practice jerseys and stuff. But the best item I got, which was not in the garbage bag, it's the one thing he, like, brought on a hanger, was a game-worn jersey that he signed. And I really, really, really wanted it for myself. But my brother is just, like, the only guy that trumps me. So I gave it to him as a birthday gift. So I gave Denzel Valentine's game worn signed jersey to my brother and I kept his uh sweaty jock, socks jock strap everything but the jock strap but
1: Did you did you wash the stuff when you got it? Oh yeah Okay. Yeah, oh, you would yeah. like frame it and like with whatever you know
0: on No it. no no it's funny and see, I, I love like I'm such a loser man I got a bunch of game worn stuff like over my left shoulder here I got Goran Suton's game worn uh state jersey from the Michigan game that year his senior year that they won uh, at Breslin and so I, I got all sorts of this junk, but the, the Denzel Valentine showing up with a garbage bag full of like disgusting. Like, why didn't this guy wash this stuff when he wore it? After he wore it, I don't know. Does
1: is there a, any kind of a any kind of a battle with your wife or how much gear you own? Would she like you to get rid of any of it?
0: Not, you know, I was. Uh, after much infighting in the Spiro house, I was given most of the basement. And at that okay. point, it was like what you can get on the walls or whatever in these designated areas like the studio and like one of the hallways in the basement. She's like, I don't really care. So knock yourself out. I do have some stuff in the closet, though. Like I have this game-worn jersey from the 1966 Rose Bowl from huh. a, guy, a guy named Alton Owens, uh, starting d lineman for Michigan State in that Rose Bowl. Michigan State war, uh, won the national championship that year. So I have that just, like, hanging in a closet because I don't have any wall space for because it.
1: Because I have this battle with my wife because I own a ridiculous amount of Red Sox and Patriots gear. And she's like, really? Like, you're 38 years old. Do you need all this? It's, they are right. It's, it's not authentic, like, game war, but it's just gear. I've picked up hats and shirts over the years. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, honey, it's not my fault my teams keep winning championships. <laughs>
0: great answer. That's true. I mean, when you when your teams win a title every four months, uh, your drawers are going to be packed. I mean, I'm no-
1: wearing my Super Bowl 53 champions hat right now. Can we
0: talk for five seconds about like these people that buy the? Eastern Conference Championship t-shirt. Okay, it's well like,
1: okay, well I'm glad you said that cuz look at the shirt I'm wearing.
0: That's that's stupid. I mean, why I'll tell you would why. you have to no, I'm going to buy me for it. But go ahead, you go first.
1: Okay, so this the shirt I'm wearing is the Super Bowl 52 AFC Champions shirt from when they lost the Eagles last year. And I didn't buy it before the Super Bowl. I was home in New England over Christmas. I was cold. I needed a sweatshirt. Oh, and it was funny. on sale for 10 bucks. a year later. That's yeah. defensible. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not going to buy, you know, I'll see how far they go, and I might buy the shirt, you know, if they don't win the championship, I might buy the shirt a year later on clearance. That's Yeah,
0: right. no, that's fine. And that's, if you're looking at it like oh, And I wasn't
1: planning on leaving the house today, to be honest with you. That's why I'm wearing this.
0: That's different. I'm talking about like, that's fine. That's like you're picking up some cheap clothing. That's different. I'm talking about like the people that like right after a team qualifies for the finals of the Super Bowl, whatever the sport is, and they'll advertise like, get your Eastern Conference Championship gear. They're buying that shit full price yeah. before they even know what happens. Oh, I'm with you. That's if ridiculous. you win the title, it's like, okay, it's already kind of outdated. If you lose, it's like when the Tigers in, in 2007 had a get your AL pennant like replica ring day, they had a giveaway like the first... 10,000 fans get a toy replica. Of to it, remind
1: you of how you lost the World right? Series the year before. Yeah,
0: it's like, can you please make a, a shittier bronze trophy? I mean, technically silver, I guess, but it's like, I, I, I it's such like a loser. I, I hate looking at the the pennant from 06 and 2012 for the Tigers. It's like, but the people that buy I mean, well, your, rec- your thing's different.
1: Recognize the achievement but don't buy the gear. Don't buy
0: the gear. I'm not saying you should hang if you win a conference. You should hang a banner for that. But as a fan, I just hate looking at it. It's like a constant reminder. Especially it depends on the context. Or like, like the,
1: when the when the uh, Colts had like uh, AFC runners up or whatever it was a couple years ago, they actually hung that banner.
0: The Lions had a playoff banner a couple of years ago. Before Bob Quinn, Bob Quinn is the one that took it down.
1: Have you seen the the Photoshop picture of beat the Super Bowl champions twenty eighteen? Yeah,
0: beat beat the Patriots twenty eighteen. Yeah, the Lions are a bunch of losers, man. I mean, that's the thing with the Lions. You don't even get the chance to buy the, like, Division Champs T-shirt because they don't even give you that. It's like, what T-shirt are you going to buy? The, you know, win 8-8 eight eight T-shirt, the loss in the first round again by 40 points in New Orleans. It's kind of like, where do, where do you even go? They don't even give you that opportunity to make an ass of yourself. So, anyway. At that's least the- they're
1: not Saints fans pro- still, who are still protesting, as of Mardi Gras yesterday.
0: What? No, they're not.
1: Oh, th- this is a whole other podcast. I'm sorry. You were going to wrap up. We should, we should table this. But yeah, in another episode, that. we'll talk about how insane Saints fans are and how they never got over the blow oh, call at the uh, NBC, for the NFC title game.
0: I've been bombing the Saints fans on Twitter, like, for a month. I,
1: I lived there for three years. We'll talk in a different episode. The,
0: okay, we'll talk. They're, they're losers. I mean, I've never. Seen, there are a million ways they lost that game. But anyway, that's been the Spiro Avenue podcast. Uh, it's been a hoot. Hope you guys tune in Saturday night. I know I will be uh, on my statins, uh, having a drink that uh, probably doesn't mix with that statin to try to keep things under control in East Lansing. This has been Justin Spiro for the Spiro Avenue podcast. Thank you to Jag in Detroit, my wonderful producer. Always a pleasure, Jag. We'll get him next time, too. Huh? Likewise. All right, the Spiro Avenue podcast.